Stinging waves, fox spear, lock is action, very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Beat your bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe with that incredibly awesome song. That means it's time for Trek Talk, and it's Thursday night at 7.30 p.m., and that means you can call 646-668-2433 and join in our conversation live with us on the radio. And you might want to do that because we have a very, very busy show. Lots of incredibly awesome tracks to talk about. Uh, we're going to be talking about Strange New Worlds, Episode 7, The Serene Squall. And uh, that's an interesting one because we have a, a new baddie, I guess you want to. I don't know if baddie is the right word, but we're going to talk about it. Captain Angel sets up Spock and steals the Enterprise. While Captain Pike puts on an apron and cooks for space pirates. But wait, there's more. Nurse Chapel and Mr. Spock engage in a kiss, a rather interesting kiss. We're going to dive into that as well. We also see some Tapring, some Stan, and are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? We've been talking about it since 2017 when Discovery dropped. But yes, there's been a Cybok Exciting. And we're definitely going to dive into that. So you want to definitely call in so that you can get your thoughts on all these topics. We also have Star Trek birthdays, convention calendar, Star Trek news, and our fan shout outs. So please give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. But before we dive right in, I want to introduce to you my incredibly awesome uh, Trek experts. And we'll start off with our with my Vegas connection. And of course, we're talking about Charles. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. Ready to talk some Trek and enjoy the air conditioning. Air conditioning. Beautiful, beautiful. And we have our uh, dynamic duo from Portland. We'll have the trifecta shortly, but right now we just have the dynamic duo. And we'll start off with Paul, the wine guy himself. How you doing, Paul? <laughs> I'm doing well, Uncle Jim. Everything is harmonious, and it's a gorgeous day here in the Pacific Northwest. So we're doing okay, brother. Doing all right. That Ready is to, good. Good to ready hear. To Very good to hear. on all things Trek, along with my compatriots. Absolutely, it's going to be a really it's going to be a fascinating show for sure. And we also have from Portland, Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing fantastically. Thanks very much, Jim. It's a beautiful day here. I'm just enjoying a nice little plomic soup here myself. Some plomic soup. I, I heard the Nurse Chapel makes some really good plomic soup. You just got to scrape it off the wall. <laughs> but I've heard myself. Lots of red spice. So, 
as I said, guys, our number here is 646-668-2433. Put that in your speed dial. Um, we, we're up to 115,930 downloads, so thank you so much for making that happen. Uh, you can visit us on our new uh, page at www.podpage.com slash trek-talking, and there you can find all of our old shows. You can reach out to us and uh, just get a good feel of what Trek Talking is all about. We'd love to hear from you guys. You can also find us on Facebook at Trek Talking and beyond. Spell that all out. Uh, we have 102,942 102, followers. Wow. And uh, we'd love to have you be part of that family. We'd also like to give a huge shout-out and welcome to all of our friends in the U.K., and we have lots of them in the, in the U.K., by the way. We'd like to welcome you guys to our Star Trek family as Paramount Plus is now officially available in the U.K. and Ireland. So hope you guys – I hear there's only the first three episodes of Strange New Worlds and uh, – couple of episodes like Encounter of Farpoint aren't uploaded yet. But but we did have you know our issues when CBS All Access first aired in the United States. So just stick with it. It'll it'll work itself out. But welcome to the Trek family guys. It's great to have you. Um I also want to let you guys know I've been saying this for a couple of couple of shows, but I just love to say it. Um that of the sixty best Star Trek podcasts let that sink in. The 60 best. How many Star Trek podcasts are there? There's got to be a lot. Thousands? Maybe? Lots. But um, on the, the list of the 60 best, um, from thousands of podcasts on the webs ranked by traffic, social media followers, domain authority, which I don't know what that means, and freshness, Trek talking comes in at Number 22. So that's quite impressive, and we owe that to you guys. So thank you so much for uh, making that happen. And with that, I'm done babbling, and it's time to dive right into um, into our show. And we always start off with our fan shout-outs, and that's where we say thank you to you personally for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to hear your name mentioned on a future fan shout-out, Head over to our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. Pinned at the top of the page, you'll see the Live Long and Prosper. Just pop in there and tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, you want to tune in because your name is going to be featured and immortalized through all of time in this awesome podcast. So that every time somebody listens, they'll hear your name and know that you're part of our Trek Talking family. So, Eric. Why don't you get us started with our fan shout-outs? Our very first fan shout-out this week goes out to Danny Garcia, way down there in Miami, Florida. Danny, thank you so much for listening to us. You are kind of the far extreme of where I am in this country, and it's you know we've got full coverage uh, from northwest all the way to southeast. Thanks for listening. We're also saying hello this week to Scott Patterson from Arkansas. He says the extreme southwest area, so I'm going to guess uh, we're talking about Texarkana, somewhere about there. Uh, between Texas and Arkansas, that's my guess. Thank you so much, Scott, for listening to us and for carrying down there in the south. We're going to show this to Vedran Nino Picard, very cool last name, out there in Croatia. Also, send 
little Croatian flag. Thank you so much for listening, Vadron, and live long and prosper to you. We're also saying hello this week to Anna Maria in Finland. Hmm, of course, a very common last name, but related to one of my favorite architects? Maybe. Anna Maria, thank you for listening to us way up in Scandinavia. And my last shout-out goes out to Naomi Levy, way down in Brisbane, Australia, down under. We've got lots of friends down there uh, on the continent under, and Naomi, you are one of them. Thank you so much for interacting with us on our Facebook page. We really appreciate it. Kapla to you. Charles, who would you like to say hello to? Let's start off with Sarah Major in El Paso, Texas. Sage Dax Schuyler. Born in Great Falls, Montana, raised in Phoenix, Arizona. Yep, I sure you're enjoying the heat as well as I am. Kathy Heminger from Regina, Canada. Karen Finley, love and light from Alala, Washington State. Not familiar with that one. And Katie of Hull from Wisconsin, USA. Paul, how about your list? Thank you, Charles. Well, let's see here. We've got all kinds of wonderful folks who've been jumping in on our Facebook page and saying hello, including Cynthia Liptrap from the great state of West Virginia, where things are always awesome. Also, a great kapla to Andrea Meyer. Uh, Andrea is from Germany and Bavaria and Servus identification zone there. So, greetings, Andrea. Also to Christian Fernando Myren in Guatemala in Central America. Absolutely fantastic that you were listening to us way down there on the other hemisphere. Fantastic indeed. Uh, in the land of Romania, thank you so much for listening, Anna Maria Freisinger in Romania. That is absolutely fantastic. We are covering all points of the globe, so it seems, including our friend Dave Ployman in the Netherlands. I hope I am pronouncing that even remotely correctly, Dave. I always hate butchering someone's last name pronunciations. But uh, I know folks in the Netherlands are a cheerful, forgiving kind of folk. So hopefully you will let me slide. But thank you so much for being part of our global Star Trek community. Jim, how about you? You've found it got some folks on there, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. We've got a few we'd like to say hello and thank you to. We'd like to start off with Nancy Wright Beard Dwyer, who's listening in Memphis, Tennessee. We'd also like to say Kapla to Kim Mulhaney in Ireland by way of Chicago. My grandfather is from Ireland, so that's pretty cool. We'd also like to say live long and prosper to Linda Jones, who's listening to us in Melbourne, Florida. We'd like to say thank you to Brian Johnson, who's listening in Ontario, Canada. And from my neck of the woods up here in the New England states, We'd like to say kapla to Kelsey Eastman from New Hampshire. So those are our fan shout-outs, guys. And as I said, we'd love to feature you in a future fan shout-out. Head over to our Facebook page and uh, just let us know where you're listening from. Look for a heart next to your name, and that means you're going to be featured in a future fan shout-out. So right now we have to take a very quick commercial break. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. 
Hi there, this is Eric from Trek Talking. Do you own a business, produce a product, or are planning an event that would appeal to Star Trek fans? Would you like to harness the power of this podcast to get your message out to the world? We here at Trek Talking are a show made by fans for fans, and we would love to help you share your love of Star Trek on the air, live every Monday and Thursday night at 7.30 Eastern. Contact us through Facebook Messenger at facebook.com slash trektalkingandbeyond or email us using the contact link on our website at podpage.com slash trek-talking. We can't wait to hear from you. Engage. And we're back. And this is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays, which means we have to hear from Worf. That was not a Klingon song. No, Grumpy War says that every week, but we still love him anyways. So we always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Now, this week we're going to be remembering five members of our Star Trek family who have gone before us. Uh, The first remembrance this week goes out to actor John Warburn, who played the Romulan Centurion in TOS's fantastic episode, Balance of Terror. Um, John had a very long career from the 30s all the way through the 70s, um, known, of course, for a handful of movies, including Assault on a Queen uh, and Secret File Hollywood, as well as a multitude of guest television appearances. So John Warburn, iconic character uh, in the background, but still there, uh, Romulan Centurion from Balance of Terror. Happy birthday. We're also saying uh, happy birthday and sending our remembrances out this week to T.A. Luke, who played Dr. Corey in TOS's episode, Whom Gods Destroy. Um, T.A. was born Luke Seklan and was actually considered for the role of Dr. Noonien Sung uh, in Next Generation, uh, believe it or not. And then uh, wow. Spiner was actually the one who said, hey, you know, maybe I should play my own uh, doctor, and then he regretted it later and wished that Kie had actually played the part. So <laughs> uh, happy birthday to Kie Luke, uh, who could have been soon, but did play a fantastic Dr. Corey in Whom Gods Destroy. Got to throw out, brother. you gotta got to pay props to, to him for his most uh, iconic role. Yeah. Grasshopper, Wait. snatch the pebble from my hand. Yes. Master oh. Poe from the oh, legendary series Kung Fu, man. Oh, he man. is, this dude has been acting forever, okay? And he is just, but but in the 70s, that uh, he created an iconic character that, you know, really kind of helped change the face of, like, cult television uh, forever, Master Poe, man. And uh, one of the great uh, groundbreaking Asian-American actors in all of film and television. Just a phenomenal uh, presence. So amazing to, to take a moment to honor him, right? Awesome, Paul. Yeah, man, that is a quite a story. And just think of all this, the other people that came after him that were inspired by him. I'm positive. It's amazing. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, happy birthday to Kie. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Robert Ellenstein, who did play the Federation president in Star Trek IV, 
Uh, he also played a smaller part uh, as Stephen Miller in TNG's episode Haven, uh, also a very prolific actor, both screen and stage. Um, he was a longtime friend of Leonard Nimoy, actually, uh, and they were both early members of the oldest nonprofit repertory theater in Los Angeles called the Company of Angels. Uh, his son, David, also appeared in Star Trek IV. So uh, Ellen Stein, all over Star Trek and uh, all over screen and stage uh, to boot. So happy birthday to Robert. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Jake Dengel, who played Mordock, uh, one of our very first more feral uh, Ferengi in TNG's episode, uh, The Last Outpost. Uh, funny Ferengi compared to the ones that we would eventually get in DS9, uh, but that's okay. Uh, they were sort of prototypical. Um, he uh, also played uh, several guest roles throughout the 80s and 90s, T.J. Hooker, Hardcastle McCormick, Hill Street Blues, Night Court, etc. So happy birthday to Jake Dengel. And our very final remembrance this week goes out to Robert Cummings, who, of course, was most famous in Star Trek for being the, uh, the Klingon gunner who got it wrong in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. Unfortunately, Cruz had to take him out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Robert was also uh, in many, many episodes of Fantasy Island. If you ever watched that show, he, he, was, he was on there. And Jim, guess what? He was on one of your favorite television shows of all time. He was also on an episode of Alien Nation. Uh, and that's cool. just his acting credits. You talk about his stuntman work. You're talking Big Trouble in Little China, Spaceballs, Child's Play, The Abyss, Ghost, Predator 2, uh, stuntman who's been around the way. So uh, Robert Cummings... You are missed in the industry, and uh, happy birthday and remembrances going out to you. So that does it for our remembrances this week, guys. Uh, Charles, let's say happy birthday to some folks who are still with us. Oh, let's definitely do it. Let's start off with Linda Thorson, who played Gal Fett in TNG's The Chase. Happy 75th Young this week. <laughs> Our only female goal. The only female. Robert Robin Christopher, who played Mila in DS9's Do It and Hands the Prophet, who, as I was looking at her credits, was a very prolific soap opera actor. I'm seeing a scene here. Ryan Spahn played first in Boys Collective. That is the episode where we get the, ki- the kids of the board, including Ichab. So we get some memorable characters from that episode. Michael Corbett played Dr. Rebel in TNG's Fourth of Nature and voted Daytime's Most Lovable Cad by People Magazine, another prolific soap opera star. Seems like we had a lot of soap opera people coming over and joining Star Trek. Then I've got a character who played Takar in, in DS9 and TNG. He also appeared in TNG, Generations, Star Trek Phase 2, and has voiced many Star Trek games. But we know him 
for one role in DS9 and his bigger role in Voyager. That would be Tuvok. A very happy birthday and a very logical day to Tim Russ. You look at his credits, and he did a lot of work for Star Trek. So he didn't get to work with our friend in Star Trek Days 2. He was not an episode that Andy appeared in. So I don't know if our friend Andy ever got a chance to run into him there. Paul, how about your list? Well, Charles, I got an eclectic lineup of folks who are celebrating birthdays this week. So sit back and get ready to blow out some candles. First and foremost, you're going to have to get all kinds of deep breaths to blow out this cat's candles. We got a big happy birthday going on for the legendary maniac Joe Piscopo. Okay, and previous Joe Piscopo, Star Trek. Well, in the next gen episode, the outrageous Okoda. Joe Piscopo played the comic in that episode, and I'm hoping folks are familiar with uh, Mr. Piscopo because he's been around forever. Um, one of the you know secondary cast uh, after the debut uh, group of players for Saturday Night Live, of course, but he is around forever. I mean, if you look in, uh, in the early mid '70s era before he uh, became broke through on Saturday Night Live, you could see him in like old Billy Joel videos. You could see him; he's got a bit part, uh, just like crowd scene in like the deal aren't this King Kong with Jessica Lang. I mean, he's, he's everywhere. He was a hungry dude trying to break through and work. So uh, happy birthday, Joe, wherever you are. Oh, I know you're probably uh, feeling fit as a fiddle and rocking and rolling. Uh, always great to, uh, to see you in something. Happy birthday as well to somebody who's really made a big impression over the last year in the Star Trek firmament, and that is the lovely Chela Horsdal, who uh, you may recognize as uh, the very uh, interesting President Lyra Rylak in season four of Discovery. Uh, character initially, we didn't know quite, quite what to make of her. She's like half Cardassian. What is that going to be? Can we trust her? What's the story? She was very uh, intriguing new presence on the show and ended up really being, uh, I think, kind of a historic presence as well. Extremely charismatic, uh, dynamic presence uh, on camera. So I'm hoping we see a lot more of uh, President Lilac, uh, Rylak, rather, <laughs> in season five next year. Who knows? But, uh, but a great introduction. Happy birthday as well to Nikar Zadigan, who played uh, Bejazel in the Picard episode Stardust City Rag. I'm sure a lot of folks remember that episode. It's still uh, pretty clear in folks' uh, recent memory. And then going back a ways, uh, here's a name that old school fans uh, probably are going to have no trouble identifying. Marriott Hartley, who was a very prominent presence in film and television during the uh, 70s and 80s and uh, made her debut on uh, Star Trek, the original series in the episode All Our Yesterdays, um, playing Zarabeth, that famous character who was like, hey, you know... uh, Mr. Spock, why don't you just stay here with me in this ice cave forever, and <laughs> we'll just hang out, and there's a big fur rug, and there's fire, and you don't need to go back to your own time. We'll just hang out here. So, 
box tempted, but eh, you know, there's uh, there's duty and there's all kinds of other stuff that he had to answer to. So, Mary Hartley, happy birthday to you. May you may you always uh, shine strong, my friend. And lastly, uh, going back to Discovery once again, uh, happy birthday to Alan Van Sprang, who, who played the the dual roles on Discovery of Control and also Leland, kind of that uh, shadowy, up-to-nefarious, top-secret enterprise corner of the Federation there. So all those different uh, shenanigans that uh, Control was responsible for. So a nice group of birthdays, and uh, on that note, we will turn the candles over to our friend Jim, who will continue the celebration. Yes, we still have some birthdays to go, not many, but a few. We want to start off by saying happy birthday to Adam Grimes, who played the Augment Lokesh in Enterprise Cold Station 12 and the Augments. He's the one that I believe they called Rat, and yep. uh, the other Augments threw him out because he wasn't evil enough. So uh, happy birthday to Adam Grimes. We also want to say happy birthday to John Wheeler, who played the first Tellarite, the Tellarite Ambassador Gav in TOS Journey to Babel. You guys might remember him. Um, he gets in an argument. Well, what the Tellerites always get in arguments, but uh, <laughs> part for the course. Yeah. I I remember him because the makeup was really funky and they had no yeah. eyes. The hollow uh, eyeballs always bugged me about the old Tellerites. Yeah, they had no eyes. That's what I remember. It's like a mask, him, man. It's totally yeah. like yeah. a pullover mask that was just yeah. like, you know, you can kind of see the actor beneath there. It's, just, it's like the old Planet of the Apes masks on TV. If they didn't have time to do the full expensive makeup appliance, they'd just be like, pull this over your head. <laughs> not great. Yeah, it was kind of weird. That's what I remember most about about his character, but. Uh, happy but that dude was John great, Hill. man. I mean, he's, it's a, it's a, you know, he maybe didn't have a lot of scenes, but he made the most of those scenes. I mean, everyone remembers Gav. He was just yes. awesome. Yes, he he paved the way for Tellarites as we would know and love them later on. You just you just know there was somebody like some former agent that actor worked with, right? It was just really obnoxious, and he's like, I'm I'm going to base my character off of that, and that's going to be the entire the entire Tellarite species. It's going to be like this cat. It's crazy. So far, it worked. It worked. He's great. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. And uh, I also want to say happy birthday to Marcy Lafferty who played. Chief DeFalco in Star Trek, the motion picture. And in case you're wondering, who's Chief DeFalco? Chief DeFalco, Eric, who's Chief DeFalco? Chief DeFalco from, the, from uh, Star Trek, the motion picture. She's the, yeah, yeah she's, um, well, she's, she's got, I know what she looks like. She's right there on the bridge. She's got the short brown hair. She's got the yes. outfit. Yeah. She's the one that replaces Lieutenant Ilea when she gets absorbed by the police. There you go. And, and uh, Decker says, she's like, Falco to the bridge, and yeah. she takes over from, from that point on after uh, Ilea gets evaporated or sucked up or whatever happened sucked to her. By the uh, she, she's like by relief the navigator, right? Yeah. That's, that's right. She's the yeah. relief. And uh, the, the, you know what? The character's name always stuck in my brain. I don't know why. But Chief DeFalco just stuck in my brain. And when the birthday popped up, I said, okay, I got it. This is, this is mine, Chief DeFalco. So happy birthday. I think birthday. the way Kirk does it, yeah. He's, he, it's like, just, says it with a certain fervor in that scene. <laughs> yeah. 
It, for some reason, it's always stuck in my mind. I've never forgotten that name after he says it. So mm-hmm. when her birthday popped up, even though she's a minor character, the name just stuck in my brain. And I said, now is my opportunity to wish that actress a happy birthday. So happy mm-hmm. birthday to Marcy Lafferty. Wasn't she uh, like married one. to William Shatner at the time or something? Isn't she like, I think she's a former wife of William Shatner, if I remember right. It could be. He's had many. I, I, yeah. it's possible. <laughs> I, seem to, I seem to like remember that in the back of my brain. I should look her up here. Oh yeah, here it is. It, it, she, and, yep. Marcy Lafferty, then wife of William Shatner. How about that? I did have Well, it. see, there you have and it. It has nothing That's to do with how she got the part on the movie at all. <laughs> no, no, she, that was, no, she auditioned herself and she was a very talented uh, young woman. Uh, that's right. She was. Uh, being married to me <laughs> no, had no, no no influence on the casting people whatsoever. Uh, she just showed up. No nepotism. No. Whatsoever. Right. Whatever I asked her to do, she would do. It was fantastic. Yep. <laughs> um, and we also want to say happy birthday to Nick Tate. Uh, Nick yeah. Tate played Durgo in the TNG yeah. episode, The Final Mission, and Liam Bilby in DS9's Honor Among Thieves bought if mm-hmm. you're a little long on the tooth, such as myself. <laughs> and um, myself. Yeah, yeah. And, and Paul, <laughs> then you might remember him as the heroic eagle pilot, um, Alan from Space 1999. Captain um, Alan Carter. No one can crash Alan an eagle Carter. more often and more frequently and more dramatically than Alan Carter and somehow never get killed. So he was just... <laughs> and, Awesome yep. actor, man. Still shows up on TV pretty frequently. He was on Lost uh, quite a bit when Lost was in its heyday. He uh, still works a lot. He's a good guy. And, and I loved Space 1999 back. It's a little dated today with the with the bell bottoms and stuff, but but I, I remember watching it and thinking how different it was from anything else that was on television at the time. Uh, I, just, I just liked it. It was pretty cool. And uh, Nick Tate was a guy that flew eels. So happy birthday to Nick Tate. And the last birthday that I have on my list is a woman that's pretty much ingrained in the world of sci-fi geekdom, such as we are. Uh, she was an avatar. She played a nine foot blue alien in avatar. Um, she also <laughs> played a green alien in guardians of the galaxy. She was blue and she was green. Uh, but, we are going to talk about her as Nyota Uhura in the Kelvin Timeline Universe movies. Of course, we want to say happy birthday to Zoe Zeldana, who I think is awesome. What an icon, awesome, dude. She's amazing. Awesome, 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 awesome Uhura. And uh, everything she touches, pretty much. She's just a, that kind of an actress. So happy birthday to Zoe. And I, I believe that... Um, Avatar 3, 4, and 5 are on the slate, and she's going to be in all of them as well. Possibly another Star Trek movie. So, happy birthday to Zoe. Well, that wraps up our Star Trek birthdays for this week. Tune in next week and find out who's going to be saying happy birthday to. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we have convention calendar. Trek talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, 
boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And welcome back, everybody. It's time for convention, 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 calendar, 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 calendar. Okay, Eric, why don't you start us off with our convention calendar? We got some good ones this week. We are checking out the Greater Austin Comic Con, July 9th through 10th at the HEB Center at Cedar Park in Cedar Park, Texas. So go check out some awesome, awesome convention action near Austin there. We're also checking out QuadCon Davenport. That's right, roundabout my old stomping grounds, July 9th through the 10th, North Park Mall in Davenport, Iowa. And we are also tracking the Mahonging Valley Comic Con, July 9th through the 10th at the Holiday Inn, Youngstown South Boardman in Youngstown, Ohio. Paul, what are you keeping track of? Oh, there's a lot going on coming up in the month of July, friends. I'm telling you, friends in New Jersey, do you hear it? Even now, there is a backup of cars 10 miles wide on Route 1 trying to get to Morristown, New Jersey, to the Men in Sports Arena for July 9th and 10th. It's going to be the Garden State Comic Book Festival. And, oh, my God, New Jersey friends. There's got to be some listeners in New Jersey. New Jersey is overflowing with comic book fans. Like, you just can't even imagine. It's crazy. It is a memorabilia nerd fest explosion of fandom like there may be no other. Potentially even more so than New York. Sorry, New Yorkers. I love you so much. But New Jersey's nuts. It's crazy. And there's a lot of fans there. And they're going to be crowding in to the Men in Sports Arena in just a couple weeks, July 9th through 10th. So start driving now. <laughs> you hope of getting that parking lot. Meanwhile, down towards the border uh, in Corpus Christi, Texas, July 15th through 17th, the very next week, you can attend Corpus Christi Comic Con. I'm sure there's just as many fans of comics and science fiction there as well, certainly a lot of Star Trek fans in the great state of Texas, and that con will be held at the American Bank Center. Sounds very uh, official, so you can have plenty of ATMs to withdraw your money from to uh, spend on merchandise at the Corpus Christi Comic Con. That's a con for people who love alliteration. Corpus Christi Comic Con. You've just got to love the letter C to attend that one. Finally, we're going to cross another border and where there are nothing but beautiful, amazing, cool people, the land of Canada or as I like to say, futuristically, Canada. Because <laughs> you're always more yeah. involved than us knuckle draggers down here in the States, you wonderful, altruistic, enlightened folk. And in Kelowna, British Columbia, in Canada, at the Kelowna Community Theater, and more alliteration, I love Kelowna. It just makes me think of crazy things. Uh, July 16th through 18th, it's the Kelowna Fan Experience. What kind of experience are those fans going to have in Kelowna? Well, I think you just better head up there to find out because, uh, to me, the name alone screams fabulousness, and I wish I was there myself. Wishing everybody in uh, B.C., Texas, and Morristown, New Jersey, wonderful fan experiences. Uh, hopefully you're getting a chance to go to these. I mean, for the last year and a half, 
folks, not a lot of convention action. And then we're finally getting back out there thanks to uh, vaccinations and safety and you know, good planning. Conventions are happening again. So it's a great chance to get out there and explore, to rub elbows with uh, celebrities and your fellow uh, comic and Star Trek fans. So get out there and enjoy a little uh, fandom in the course of your July this year. Jim, what do you know about that's coming up here? Well, I've got an an interesting one called Days of the Dead, Indianapolis, July 22nd through the 24th at the Marriott Center, Indianapolis and Indianapolis. I'm assuming it's a Walking Dead convention. I would assume. I don't know. Uh, Days of the Dead sounds like a Walking Dead convention, but it sounds I'm good. Sure. I, I, you know, yeah. probably a lot of Dead fans are also uh, Star Trek fans. I would guess, right? So I going? would figure since Nico Martin Green started on the Walking Dead, it's very possible. Uh, so head on over to the Marriott Center in Indianapolis, Indiana. We also have Houston Horror Film Fest, July 22nd to the 24th at the Houston Marriott Western Chase in Houston, Texas. Well, both, those are both the same weekend. Interesting. And last on my list is Armageddon Expo. Oh, uh, enough the same weekend, <laughs> July 22nd to the 24th, at the Trust Power Bay Park in Mountain Maganui, New Zealand. New Zealand. Crikey. So those, those are my conventions. And Charles, you get to bring up the caboose on our convention calendar this week. Well, let's just deal straight out with the weekend of July 21st to 24th. And if you're in San Diego, we've got a couple of places you need to go. Let's start off with San Diego, Comic-Con International San Diego, originally known as San Diego Comic-Con, at the San Diego Convention Center in San Diego. While you're there... Head over to Star Trek's Ten Forward Experience, uh, 345th Avenue, Gas Lamb Quarter, also in San Diego. But if you can't be there, let's do the 22nd and 24th to Akakon in the Farm Bureau Exposition Center in Lebanon, Tennessee. Well, I'm sure the place to be is probably going to be San Diego. And if we get what we normally get, we may get some breaking news of what's going on in the Star Trek that weekend. We better keep our ear to the t- ears to our computers that weekend. You know, I, uh, Karen and I are going to go to San Diego Comic-Con years and years and years ago and uh, decided against it. Have, have any of you guys tried to go to San Diego Comic-Con or ever been there? No, I have I not have been not. there. I've heard the stories. I've heard the stories of over there. Yeah, so gotten too the, way they, the way they do it is you have to put your name into a raffle and then they pick your name and they tell you what hotel you will be staying at. And it's like, well, sorry, but, you know, I don't want to spend $300 a night at this super luxurious hotel. And if you don't like that hotel, you can throw your name back in the pot and pick another one. And I'm like, wait a minute. 
I'm flying all the way across the country. I don't know where I'm staying. I don't know if I'm going to even get a ticket to the thing because that's done by raffle too. And there's just, just way too many variables for my take. So we decided, forget that. We'll just make our own hotel reservation. You can't do that. <laughs> every single hotel within, I don't, every hotel, when you call them up, if you, when you tell them you're there for that date, they tell you they can't rent your room because the hotel um, uh, conglomerate, what the hell is it called, hotel corporation, whatever it is, has booked every single room at every single hotel for the Comic-Con. And they're all Airbnb, in the raffle. Man. Airbnb yeah, next like, year. Yeah, wow. So we never we never got to go. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well. Oh, well. Well, dude, let me recommend if I can, because um, I've, 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 too many people I know have gone to San Diego, and it's just, it's, it's, it's fun, but it's also like an insane amount of like waiting in line, which I'm not like a huge fan of. I mean, like just, just even to get like an exclusive merchandise, you got to wait in line for that. And it's just, it's almost a case of yeah. too much popularity for itself. You're really close to New York, brother. So New York Comic Con, if you've not attended that before, they have their act together. That is a really well, it's usually at the Javits Center. It's really well organized. They get great guests. Um, they have not lost uh, touch with their roots of comics. Right? They haven't been completely seduced by Hollywood like, uh, like Comic-Con has. It is a great fun con and full of folks uh, who really uh, come in the spirit of a con. And you can stay, <laughs> motto of New York, sleep wherever the hell you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm well, yeah, tell you what hotel you can, to stay in, brother. You can stay in New Jersey and 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 take a train over. Totally, but it's a stay great better. con, so I would recommend yep. that to anybody who wants a big con experience, but is sort of like you know daunted by what you know Jim's describing and hates waiting in line. It's just, you know nobody necessarily has to have the Hall H experience. You're going to read about it on the internet in 30 seconds after it happens anyway. So and Jacob and, and the Javits center is huge. And it's great, you can man. check out the statue of Liberty from right there. It's right across the Harbor, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's it, it. The last time I went was just lovely. It was really, really fun. It's totally crowded, but it didn't matter. It's like you could get around fine. You could get into a panel with you know top comic creators with like five minutes notice. You didn't have to worry that you were going to have to like wait in line all day to see it. It was you know they know what they're doing there. They're used to crowds in New York and they they can handle them pretty well. So it's a it's and the a last time I was job. there, the USS Enterprise was docked at the Naval Museum right there, the aircraft carrier. You could go right over there and tour it, which was yeah. pretty cool. Very that was cool. way yeah, way back. I think back. they still have something like that on one of the piers on the. Uh, on the west side there. I think they still have that, but uh, yeah, it's fun. Cool. Yeah. It's cool. Sweet. All right, guys. Well, it's time for Star Trek news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. Okay, we don't have a lot of news, but we do have some interesting stories to discuss, and all the stories that we're going to talk about, you can find in their entirety on our Facebook page instead of the short summarized versions that I'm going to give you here. So, Charles, 
why don't you get us started with our Star Trek news? I definitely will start us off because it's one I'm looking forward to. Star Trek Picard, Stargazer, puts John Luke Picard back in command in the new IDW comic series. A new comic book series from IDW Publishing will warp the valiant John Luke Picard back in the captain's chair of the USS Stargazer to fill the gap between seasons two and three. Star Trek Picard's TV series, co-written by Mike Johnson and Star Trek Picard's co-creator, Kirsten Beyer, with illustrations by author Angel Hernandez. Star Trek Picard Stargazer is a three-issue title that serves as a never-before-seen bridge leading up to Star Trek Picard Season 3, which arrives in 2023. Presented in a deluxe oversized format, Star Trek Picard Stargazer 1 will appear in comic shops and online retailers October 24th. And centers around John Luke Picard being lured out of retirement once more to face unintended consequences from its past to help 709 and the USS Stargazer. Star Trek Picard Stargazer number one ebook is four ninety nine Amazon. You can order Star- you can order the issue from Kindle and Com- Comicology from Amazon to see Picard's latest Trek venture. Definitely be keep an eye out for that one. And I want to I wanted to say something about that. One of the things that we've talked about on the podcast in the past, when we used to do Comic Corner, which which we're probably going to be bringing back not too long from now, is that these comic books that IDW does with recently it was the Discovery, but now they're doing Picard, almost feel like they're episodes. They're they're written like you said, Kristen Beyer works on the show. So a lot of these comic books really fill in those gaps and feel like an episode. We read a lot of the Discovery books, like the, the Klingon one, Light of Kaleth, which really fleshed out the show. So I'm looking forward to Stargazer myself. So I just wanted to throw that in there. And Eric, I wonder, I wonder why you got this next story. Well, that's because uh, my main captain, uh, Janeway, uh, played, of course, by the wonderful and talented Kate Mulgrew. Kate says that she sees a possibility of a return uh, as a live-action version of Janeway after Star Trek Picard wraps up. Uh, So fingers crossed. Here we go. Star Trek Voyager star Kate Mulgrew returned to the role of Janeway for the animated series Star Trek Prodigy, which is set to run for years to come. And we were just talking before... Uh, the show about how that we uh, recently read that they have 50 episodes planned. So uh, at 10 episodes per season, that's five seasons. Pretty good. But now the actress is wondering if there could be even more Trek in her future. In an interview promoting her work on the Showtime series, The Man Who Fell to Earth, Kate Mulgrew responded to comicbook.com when asked if she sees a chance of a return to live action Star Trek. She said, well, I think the card is done unless I'm quite mistaken. I think they've finished. But it's not likely that Janeway will show up on Picard. But who knows what will happen in, in uh, her future? There seems to be, as I said to you earlier, a tremendous resurgence here, a rather vital one. So for the first time, I'm actually looking at it with new eyes. I wonder what would happen if Janeway were to come back to live action. 
Regardless of her future in live-action Star Trek, Mulgrew is returning in Star Trek Prodigy, of course. Mulgrew spoke briefly about what's to come for Janeway on Prodigy. She said, she's an admiral, but she's capable of surprising even herself, and what is coming will be entirely unexpected and will then turn into something pretty wonderful, taking this into an altogether new season for Janeway in her several incarnations. The second half of Prodigy Season 1 is set to arrive later this year. Oh, second half of season. So they're counting 20 episodes per season, I guess, is what they're doing. Uh, well, we'll see how they count yeah. the seasons. But one way or another, I uh, I don't know if we'll get live-action Janeway. I think that would be awesome to have some live-action Admiral Janeway. I'd be down, of course. But I am just super happy that she's such a big part of Prodigy right now because that is such a high-quality show. Uh, perfect for our younger viewers and perfect for adults who just love Star Trek. And she's plays, she plays two characters. She plays the hologram and the actual Admiral Janeway. That's right. She does. And uh, it's kind of cool because yep. uh, her younger self, uh, you know, w- I say younger because it's the hologram and she is rendered in a, at a younger age, um, has all of the knowledge of the newer one. And it's, she just on the show she's such a, a great mirror of the type of captain she was which is um caring firm but letting other people kind of make their own mistakes and sort of find their way through things which i really appreciate about her absolutely absolutely and uh i've got our next story star trek discovery officially begins season five filming Filming for Discovery Season 5 was imminent. And now to start off the new week, executive producer and co-showrunner Michelle Paradise has confirmed the start of production on social media. Paradise announces day one of production. Day one of Star Trek Discovery Season 5. For those asking for spoilers, I'm happy to announce that Orange Cone is indeed returning. And she brought her concealings with her. They did a great job staying quiet. And still during takes, I managed to sneak some pics. Shh, don't tell anyone. There will be 10 episodes matching the other Paramount Plus live action Trek shows. It will be on Paramount Plus in most regions of the world, presumably aside from Canada, where Paramount Global has a longstanding relationship with Bell Media. So, Discovery Season 5 is filming. That's no secret. And, Paul, you've got our final news clip of the evening. Well, this branches off of what you were just talking about, Jim. Very similar here, but we're going to spring in from a little different perspective because Star Trek Discovery Season 5 is going to begin filming very soon, and we've got some perspective from the showrunner here again about the idea of does that particular arm of the franchise end up feeling like they're in competition with Strange New Worlds? Now, we know that the production hiatus for Star Trek Discovery is just about done. Uh, Season 4 wrapped last August, but all of the cast and crew are now back in Toronto again to start ramping up on Season 5. Very exciting, especially where we've been hearing all this talk about who's being brought back from the original next-gen cast. It's a heck of a reunion. Kind of a swan song season for both these actors in these roles and for Star Trek Discovery itself. So, indication came out earlier this week from uh, showrunner Michelle Paradise, who Jim was just talking about with a Hello Toronto tweet, along with a shot of the bridge set. 
Now, uh, Michelle Paradise, along with series star Sonequa Martin-Green, who plays Captain Burnham, and David Ajala, who plays Cleveland Booker, uh, took part in an online panel for The Wrap this week talking about Discovery. Now, they, of course, didn't really, you know, let fly any details about what season five would entail. But when asked by the moderator if she felt there was any competition with Strange New Worlds in its episodic format, she, Michelle Paradise made it clear, saying she does not. She says, no, there's absolutely no competition at all. And one of the things to Alex Kurt, Kurtzman's credit is that he said from the beginning that each of these shows needs to occupy its own space within the larger universe because you don't want shows that feel very, very similar. So Discovery and Strange New Worlds, for example, feel very different uh, by design. That's the intent. And Discovery is heavily serialized. And uh, we are aware as writers and showrunners for all of the shows, we all get together on a pretty regular basis and talk to one another to make sure that the storylines aren't overlapping and in ways that don't make sense for the larger Star Trek universe. Uh, we talk about all of that stuff so that we are aware of all those things. And it's such a cool thing at the beginning of every season of Discovery to start thinking about what will be our big idea for the season. What are our big themes for the season? Who's our big bad of the season, if you will, if we have a big bad, in fact? Or what's the big obstacle? What is Burnham's journey going to be this season? And how does that tie in with it all? Each of our characters, Book and Culburn, Stamets, all the characters, Tilly, what are their journeys going to be this season? It's not very titillating, very interesting, but it's a, a nice reassurance that uh, if you like what each of these shows have to offer, uh, then you're going to continue to get the uniqueness that those spokes of the franchise have as part of their identity. Not everyone's going to like everything, right? As someone famously said recently about Star Trek uh, enters in the franchise, you need to think of Star Trek as a restaurant menu. Right? Not everything on that menu is for everyone. Some people adore clam chowder. Some people do not. And that's cool, right? So enjoy whatever your flavor is. Enjoy Discovery. Enjoy Strange New Worlds. Enjoy all of them or only what particular ones that appeal to you. It's part of the idic. It's part of the individual joy that we should feel for all the different things that we appeal to and let everyone enjoy what appeals to them. Don't waste time trying to convince somebody that they're wrong. Maybe listen to Q instead. <laughs> That's right. And the interesting thing I took out of that article is she specifically mentions Tilly. Yeah. It's really so, cool, man, because, you know, we're always wishing that we could hear more about, like, how do you guys structure this stuff? This is a great insight from her into the beginnings of that writer's room creative process where we get a sense of how do you really do it? And that they have these meetings and, and kind of say, OK, we want to make sure we're not stepping on anyone's toes. Right. It was a really cool insight into that. I think that uh, we've heard in the fa in the past, the fans would love to uh, get more exposure to what the writers are are having to say they usually don't get sought out for interviews so for her to do this and kind of present a little of that uh perspective pretty interesting i think uh, i think we'd love to hear more of that uh especially as the show is embarking on its last season and i did i did read an article with kurtzman and kurtzman said that we would be seeing some crossovers i read another article another interview with kate mulgrew 
she cryptically, I got the impression from what I read in her article, she didn't specifically say so, but I got the impression that we might actually see some live action versions of some of the animated characters we see on Prodigy or Lower Decks showing up in live action, which I think would be great. We've talked about this in the past. We saw animated versions of the live action characters show up on Prodigy and Lower Decks. Wouldn't it be cool to go the opposite way? So that, that might be happening. We'll have to wait and see, but I got the impression from the way she said it that we might actually see that. So just kind of keep that in your craw. All right, guys, we have to take our final commercial break of the evening. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the serene squall. And there's a lot to digest. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Hi there, this is Eric from Trek Talking. Do you own a business, produce a product, or are planning an event that would appeal to Star Trek fans? Would you like to harness the power of this podcast to get your message out to the world? We here at Trek Talking are a show made by fans for fans, and we would love to help you share your love of Star Trek on the air, live every Monday and Thursday night at 7.30 Eastern. Contact us through Facebook Messenger at facebook.com slash trektalkingandbeyond or email us using the contact link on our website at podpage.com slash trek-talking. We can't wait to hear from you. Engage. And we're back. What do you guys think? Do you like Eric's Eric's uh, reading on that little spot there? You guys like that? I think he did a great job. Sounds good. Eric's and, the uh, man. Period. He, he he is the man, and believe me, we, we've got some more. We, we're working on some more for that as well, but that's that was just our test run to see how it works. I kind of think it sounds good, and we've got some other ones on the way. Well, if you so, ever need uh, comedic voice talent, let me know. I might no, know. It's we on definitely, the way, Paul. Trust me. It's on the it's way. Coming. It's Check coming. Check your box in the next week or two. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm, right. a, I'm a very shy person, but, uh, but if it's a show I care about, I'm, I'm happy to help. Very so, and you know very what's shy. great? On the radio, no one sees your face, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Are you saying I have a face made for radio, Jim? Exactly. No, of no, course, I don't know what because... your face really looks like. But... <laughs> and he's saying that on the radio, I can only be 60% effective because nobody can see this mug. Wow. Is this podcast good for our self-esteem, Eric? I don't know, man. <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> I came into this thing feeling pretty good today. Now I'm like I'm not so sure. Well, that's that's why we don't do. That's why we're not on YouTube and we don't do the video thing. We're, it's strictly oh, yeah. phone. Strictly. We phone. talked about it and it's been denied every time. <laughs> yeah, it's strictly phone. Yeah, All right, guys, you. let your fingers do the walking. Six four six 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 eight two four three three is the number, and we've got a lot to talk about. Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Episode 7, The Serene Squall. And before we do that, though, I want to play a log entry, and then we're going to hear from Eric and get the fan scores, what you guys on our Facebook page thought about this episode. Personal log, Stardate 1997.9. My last few weeks of service at the Unkishnagstil retreat have been productive 
it is difficult to guide those who once walked a destructive path back to civilized society. Helping them purge the emotions that led to thievery, abuse, even murder. Most challenging has been stealing time for Spock and myself. We are making the most of our long-distance endeavor, but I sense in Spock a desire to explore his human side. So I've been attempting to introduce experimentation into our relationship in an effort to, as humans are apparently fond of saying, spice things up. Okay, there's a little teaser for you guys. And every week on our Facebook page, I ask you guys, the fans, to score each episode on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. And we tally up those scores, and we give them to you right here. So, Eric, what did our Facebook fans think about Serene Squall? Our first fan, Jim Felzer, said a 9 for sure. Great characters, good story, surprising plot twists. Ding! Top fan Daniel Davis gave it a 10. I liked the intro log by Dupring very much and the fact that Angel is tied to Cybok. By the way, spoiler alert, but that's okay. We already said that. Thanks, Daniel. Bill Howlsworth said a 6. Insurrection ending was a little silly. John Murray gave it an 8. I didn't see that twist coming at the end. Carmen Delito said a 9. Had me fooled. Great twist. And love the humor. Top fan Ron Charity said great episode, some twists, and action. Nine. Top fan Craig Cauldron said an 8.5 for me. Spock Amuck is the gold standard from which I will rate all other episodes. Here, here, Craig. Christy Cummings said Pike's hair alone. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> Top fan Alan Gamil said a solid nine, largely because the previous two episodes were absolute tens. So it uh, sounds like Alan's loving it. Top fan Michael Leak said a six. The Orion beating uh, the cook scene was bizarre. So uh, this leaves us this week, folks, with a fan score of 8.3, uh, which is uh, surprisingly just a little bit low for kind of a fun episode, which I... Uh, I kind of thought the fans would be super into, uh, but yeah, it's our lowest score so far coming in behind Children of the Comet and Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach, which both were rated 8.8 by the fans. Interesting. Very interesting. And if you guys know, after we talked to Lori Ulster uh, two, was it two Mondays ago, I believe it was, from After Trek, we've adopted some called Cadet Training. And cadet training, I will introduce Charles. What's going on with our cadet training this week? Well, don't I have an intro? Do you? Yes. Do you have an intro? I think he does. What, what? That Where's, cadet my, he does? Where's my cadet music? You played it last week. Oh, did I? Oh, my God. See, I'm so, I'm just, I'm old <laughs> and feeble. And, oh, God, now you threw me Charles. off and i got to go back. <laughs> I, Charles, I gotta go through. To, Charles, you're oh supposed my to God. sing your intro, buddy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wait, wait. Just sing it. You're, you're right. There is an intro. Cadet training. Oh my you're God. Trying to the episodes you don't know. Cadet training. Bring it all together behind yeah, scenes. See, this is what happens. This is what it says on the show notes. Cadet training intro. 
Ah, uh, I found it. It's under cadet training intro. Go figure. Go figure. It's right on my board. Oh God, live radio guys. This is what you get. See, I I I try to get ahead one segment ahead so I can have all the sound bites all lined up. But that I you know. Yeah. All right. Anyways, here we go. All right, there you go, Charles. Take it away. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. And surprisingly, this week didn't take a lot of work for quite a few of my cadet trainings. And for some reason, Ready Room was listening to us and decided they need to do a cadet training and gave Alyssa great episodes. And I had a couple more just to fit them in. That great little great little web we showed up with like oh diving back to Tholian's web all the way back in TOS season 3 episode 9 then just a few years later we had the Pirates of Orion in the animated series season 2 episode 1 issues of Pirates and some medication meds that Spock needed, but they were having trouble gaining. In TNG, we had a couple of good ones. Season 6, Episode 7, we dealt with rascals and another battle with our Ferengi, our Ferengi pirates trying to take over the Enterprise. And then Gambit in Season 7, Episodes 4 and 5, where we get the Renegades of Picard and Riker and trying to get the weapon. On to Lower Decks. We'll always have Tom Paris, one of the fun titles of Lower Decks. When we get to see we get to see Tindy, see a little bit of her personal backstory. We get to see some of her time as they're searching for the docs ritual item, which ends up being a box. Fortune Sun from Enterprise. We get to see the Nausicans in season one, episode ten. And then our favorites favorite little sort of pirate uh, bad guy running around. Harry Mudd, who we saw in TOS, TAS, Discovery, and Short Treks. That character has had a life regained with Discovery. And then, of course, with the finale, we can't forget Star Trek V. No, let's not. Let's not. So there's some great episodes to go looking at for pirates and different themes to this episode. And so Jim probably has a good soundbite for us and talking about the series. I've got quite a few good soundbites for you guys. This episode was full of them. I uh, Before we start, though, I wanted to uh, make something... But you guys know, some of you probably know, but some of you might not, is that 
Um, Jesse James, who played Captain Angel, um, refers to herself as she or her. Uh, but the character that she plays on Discovery, um, Captain Angel, uh, refers to, uses they and there. So um, if you're talking about the actress, it would be she. If you're talking about Captain Angel, it would be they. So I just wanted to clarify that so people could understand, you know, if we switch pronouns, why we're doing it. And if you watched the episode, you would notice that Nurse Chapel refers to Captain Angel when she's talking to Mr. Spock as they have razors for hands. And at the end of the episode, when Captain Pike does his arg, arg, walk the plank pirate impersonation, he refers to Captain Angel as they. And that's the reason why. So I just wanted to get that out there before we get into this episode all too much. Now, the first, the first uh, clip that I have to play for you guys that I want to talk about, um, yeah, we're going to dive right in. The first clip that I have for you guys is an episode, is a clip called Colonar, and um, I'm going to send this one out to Paul. I used to club hop during my academy days. Oh, help me work off the stress. It is natural the colonist predicament would cause anxiety. And a small bit of guilt. I should have gotten here sooner. Self-blame is counterproductive and often results in the very anxiety we wish to avoid. <laughs> Well, not all of us have had the pleasure of a call in art of poor drama motion. You are familiar with the ritual. I've worked with Vulcans before. Hmm? I never got call in art. You naturally have emotions, so why raise them? Call in art offers clarity, an ability to see oneself without bias. I very much look forward to mine. Interesting. He hasn't sniffed his emotions yet. So, Paul, what do you think is going on here? Why is Cap... Well, at this point, she wasn't Captain Angel. Uh, What was the name of the other character? Aspen. Aspen. Dr. Aspen, Aspen, right. Who was a counselor. Right, okay. So we don't, at this point, we don't know about Captain Angel. This is Dr. Aspen who's talking um, at this point. So what do you think is going on with her? Why is she bringing up Colinar? I'm glad she's bringing up Colinar because I'd much rather talk about that than her club hopping in her academy days, which was uh, like (laughs) – this episode really uh, was fond of a lot of – contemporary references in the dialogue again, which is something that can be super distracting and pull me out of the, the futuristic timeline I'm supposed to be in. Like when we had nurse chapel get, go probe tip at one point, I'm like, are we on Facebook or are we in the future century? So, but I digress, but I, a lot of what this whole episode is about, we're just starting to get a taste of here. And I'm sure you're going to talk about it more here, but is uh, this, episode is about identity and that's where at this point we're still dr aspen we haven't moved into that other revealed identity yet because that piece of identity of who aspen really is is being hidden and we're talking a lot about spock's identity 
which is, am I human? Am I Vulcan? What am I? Or more appropriately, who am I as we're getting into? So, I mean, this is the theme they're looking to explore here. Um, Definitely woven into the the script here is is a strong urge. When when at one point there are dialogue scenes where Aspen is talking to Spock about your identity as a Vulcan and being pressured to choose one identity uh, over the other. Yeah, on one level, that's what they're talking about. But if when, you, when you're dealing with what actors would refer to as subtext, what's really going on here is they're talking about gender and identity of gender. And that's, I would argue, very much where this actor is going here, where this actress is, is going in terms of the, the work that they're doing here. And it's, I think it's baked into the script here too, is when they're talking about Spock's conflict, it's really just a metaphor and a different way of dealing with, with, uh, with gender identity. I think that's, you can find all kinds of touchstones within the script here and within the performances where it's a way of dealing with it in a metaphorical way. So it is interesting, but just, I think the first of many references that if you start looking for them, you'll find, of course, I love to think about Kolinar from the motion picture, right? From where Spock is on Vulcan. And he's like all excited to go and get his uh, his necklace, right? Because, uh, but no, I haven't quite made it yet, Spock. And he, they throw the necklace on the ground and he picks it up anyway. He's like, well, they're not going to miss this. I'm just taking it anyway. <laughs> yeah, he, well, in he, this episode, he, it, though. he, remember in the movie though, it's not that they deny it to him. He puts his hand up because he realizes it's not the right thing for him. I think that's an important point about the motion. That's, a, that's a good point. Understand. That's a good point. But uh, does he really pick it up later though, off the ground though? <laughs> Just, yeah, he picks like, it up yeah, off the ground. Stash it. it. He's like, like, I think I maybe yeah. will keep this. <laughs> I'll hang it in my quarters. No one's going to know. I'll know, but they won't know. It's going to look good. They won't know. Yeah, Capring's going to dig it. That's the important thing. She'll think I'm all that, right? And she'll think I'm super disciplined. So, and that's but, we, uh, we, we 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 care about Capring. Uh, we, we do. do. We did. And, uh, we do. You know, I, do I, but I'm sure we'll be talking more about her uh, again. Uh, a super, I think, valuable addition to this ensemble is is Tupring. Um Probably say more about this episode later, but I'm sure we got to move on to the next. Well, install. The, the, yeah, the next one I have, this this one goes out to Eric, and this is a perfect segue. And this particular clip I entitled, That's Not My Question to Ask. Mary, I help you, Counselor. I came to ask you that. Have I acted in a way that suggests I need assistance? No. That's why I ask. I would welcome your aid with these scans of the asteroid field. I'm endeavoring to learn more about how the serene swell operates. You looked like you were going to have a heart attack when Pike told you to go with your gut. Captain Pike is comfortable operating off hunches. I have found the experience to be disturbingly similar to guessing. And what's wrong with guessing? They're derived from incomplete premises. It is illogical. Says you? Says all Vulcans. Well, aren't you half human? That is merely genetics. I was raised on Vulcan. And that's geography. Spock. You know, all species put things into boxes. It's like you're either this or you're that. And sometimes we act a certain way to fit people's expectations, but that's not necessarily who we are. And sometimes, like on the bridge just now, they can limit us. 
You are proposing I better balance my human and Vulcan natures. I'm saying... Maybe you're neither. That is nonsensical. If I'm not human or Vulcan, what am I? I mean, that's not my question to answer. So, you know, I really liked Dr. Aspen. I thought she was a great character. And this this is part of the reason why I really liked her character before they switched. But, uh, Eric, what do you think about this little exchange between Dr. Aspen and Mr. Spock? Well, uh, like Paul was uh, kind of starting to allude to there earlier, uh, there's obviously a subtext to this to this scene, but I'm not sure that that's the most important part. I mean, uh, I guess it depends on how you look at it, right? You, the great thing about Star Trek these days, I think, is that many people can watch the same show and get different things out of it. So, it, you know, I heard the, the underlying gender discussion here. I also heard a really interesting discussion um, that relates directly to Spock. So, you know, Spock's talking about Kolonar and saying that the, the reason that logic is so awesome is that it allows oneself the ability to see oneself without bias. And in fact, what Dr. Aspen is talking about here is an exploration of self, right? Spock's like, well, if I'm not Vulcan or human, what am I? And uh, Dr. Aspen's like, uh, dude, I can't tell you who you are. You are the one who must figure out who you are. What I'm saying is that you don't have to be either one. You can be yourself. You can be whatever you need to be. You can take your own path in the world, in the universe. And, you know, luckily, Star Trek is a universe within which um, there's respect for all of these different uh, people, ways of life, uh, ways of thinking, even uh, cultures, uh, species, you know. <laughs> Star Trek sort of takes that all into consideration. So I just really liked this, uh, this scene quite a bit. I would agree. I think Dr. Aspen was an excellent counselor. I think that's why the twist in this episode sort of actually threw me for a loop at first because I really was digging their character and the interactions that they were having with Spock, um, helping Spock to kind of like explore himself through these little side conversations, much in the same way that uh, Chapel has allowed Spock to explore himself, you know, in those kind of like friend-to-friend conversations that they've been having on the side. So uh, great scene. Uh, lots and lots of depth to it, lots of ways that it can be heard depending on who you are. Um, and probably, probably in my opinion, the best scene in this particular episode. It, 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 to me, I heard echoes of Kalar talking to Worf in uh, TNG's episode mm. uh, reunion or when, uh, you know, he's a full Klingon, she's half Klingon, and she says, you can be anything you want, Worf. Yeah, I, I kind of got that ring out of it a little bit, you know, as well. And yeah, that's nice. That, that, that message of, it, yeah, go ahead. It, it resonates because I think that a lot of people can learn a lot from that scene right there. It can mean a lot to a lot of different people. And basically what it comes down to is that you need to march to the beat of your own drum, whatever that is, period. That is true, and, and that is most easily done, particularly for people who don't come from either culturals or cu- cultures or social positions that allow them that kind of automatic confidence, you know, 
it's always helpful to have a friend saying to you on the side, dude, be who you want to be. It's okay. I got your back. And in this scene, Dr. Aspen was actually being that friend to Spock. Um, you know, we get the twist. So we sort of turn away from that. But I think the message is clear that that's what today's Star Trek is trying to promote. You know, this idea that, that um, let's all be good friends to each other and then we can all achieve our own personal best. And, and also having gone back and watched this episode several times because of the, the big ending. And we'll, we'll get to that because I'm such a huge fan that made the whole thing for me, but knowing who Dr. Aspen actually is and knowing who Dr. Aspen, a husband, I don't know if husband is the right word, but husband is when you listen to all these conversations, knowing that it changes the context a little bit. Because, you know, it's like she's feeling out Spock for other reasons, is the way I would, um, you know. Well, okay. Also, so uh, uh, this is actually one of the things that makes the episode a little problematic because you could see her entire uh, their excuse me their entire exercise as a data mining thing, right? Where they came in and they and they are only doing this because they know how to manipulate Spock because of their relationship with Cybok. So, yeah, you can, you can look at it that way, and it's the twist that kind of turns you towards that and kind of sours the taste a little bit of their interactions, in my opinion. Can I ask yeah. you about that a little bit more, Eric? Totally. Because you said that you thought in this scene they were being kind of a, a good counselor, Right to to Spock, right in that scene, and I don't, I I came away from it, especially on a second viewing, thinking that was not the case. You right, but data mine, I think that's the, absolutely it. I think that Paul, at the end the she says, "You watched it though. The first time you watched it, what did you get?" I thought, "Oh, what a nice person, right?" But kind of like you know, trying to be helpful and stuff like that. But uh, but with context later on, you realize it's a complete sham. What what they're doing is because she when she's taunting him on the bridge later on, and she's saying Spock. Everything you do uh, is is subject to emotion. She goes, I've been manipulating. I can't remember the exact line of dialogue, but but they say, I've been manipulating this whole time. Stories and emotions. I mean, that's all about getting you to do what I want. It's like emotion made you do everything I wanted you to do. I mean, they basically come right out in it with blatant dialogue and, and slap it in his face. And it kind of makes everything that we saw in this scene seem way more disingenuous, I think, with you know, how things end up later on. Um, it's, it is fascinating when you start looking at it because, you know, Spock's character who's defined by his duality, right? And uh, this is an actor who's defined by her duality and this character is. So there's a lot going on. It's really interesting the way they choose to do it. But uh, I don't think that they were necessarily, you know, while they may have sort of found Spock a fun conversational uh, person to play with, I think she's playing with him. They're playing with him like a toy, right? Fully looking for any window of vulnerability in his conflict that they can exploit to their uh, their ends. So not altruistic, uh, pretty mercenary, I think. Well, absolutely. And that that's what makes this episode so great. I've, I've watched it probably five times already. So, uh, all right, this next clip I'm going to send out to Charles. 
And uh, I've just entitled it A Vulcan Friend. Mm. As a razor blade for palms, you know? To shave? Curious. Or it's to Spock. I have sorry. I am distracted. Also a master of understatement. I'm experiencing challenges with the print. Well, last time I gave you relationship advice, you kind of went overboard. I promise not to do so again. I need a friend. Ah, spill it. The prank has been researching human sexuality. She has been quite thorough. That doesn't sound so bad. One would imagine. But? She appears more eager to explore my humanity than I am. Spock, are you telling me your girlfriend is moving too fast for you? Reconciling my divergent cultures of origin is complex. The journey is challenging. Spock, do you know why it's fun to be friends with Vulcans? Because Vulcans are honest. Don't try to be smarter than the truth. That's what got you in trouble last time. Thank you. Also, pro tip. Pay better attention to me when I'm talking. Because you're very charming, and I'm completely missing it. Progress. You're learning. So before we before we get into this clip a little bit, I just wanted to to interject something here. Um, one one of the things that that I really like about Strange New World is something that we talked about when we first heard about the show. And that is that Strange New World is episodic, but it's not episodic like TOS or TNG. We have things that carry through like this whole T'Pring thing from episode to episode to episode. It's not like they fly away from Vulcan. Spock almost kills Kirk. The next episode, they're dealing with Tribbles and no one remembers that he almost killed Kirk in the last episode. Strange New Worlds carries all these things through, which I think is great. And that's one of the things I like about the show. For me, one of the strengths of the show is that. And uh, Charles, what do you think is going on here with Chapel and Spock? Well, I think I think we're getting that friendship. Really, kind of getting that friendship a little more here. We get definitely some insight on how he feels about what's going on to bring and her insight into trying to study human sexuality, which is a unique topic, especially for a Vulcan. Even especially Spock, who has maybe studied some of that himself. But it's also, I think, the point of realizing, especially, I think, we still got a little tradition. If a woman's talking to you, you should be paying attention. And you notice that she's right there walking along, and he's not paying attention. And he's got the chance of missing out what's going on. And you think he realized, like, okay, she's trying to say something. He should be trying to pay attention to what she's saying, not being so caught up and not admitting that he's not listening. So I think it's definitely a scene where the two of them definitely, you get a good interaction. 
we kind of see where Chapel's relationship with Spock comes with scenes like this. And I think yeah. to continue on, I think Eric's got more to discuss the topic. Yeah, they we, we see more of their relationship a little bit later in the episode. But uh, let me see. Is the uh, David, you got the donuts? Um, you you ate them all, didn't you? You did. Admit it, uh, you did. I did. <laughs> you, I knew you did. You couldn't hold out. Well, I've got a couple of clips that, uh, just little fun ones uh, that I want to talk to you about. Um, one of them is just entitled The Boy Scout, which obviously is a giveaway. This means everything to me, to them. I see why Starfleet calls you their Boy Scout. <laughs> they do not call me that. Chris, it's actually in your file. What? But I'm not, I'm not the Boy Scout. So that was just a little fun clip. So what do you think, David? Is is Pike the Boy Scout? Uh, yeah, I think he is. He's definitely got the uh, honor to uh, withhold the whole uh, Boy Scout title. So, I, yeah, I could totally see him being a Boy Scout. And he's got the hair, too. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> The boy scout air. Yeah, that was just a cute little little clip that I wanted to play. But the real thing I wanted to talk to you about is this one right here. To bring subspace transmission for you from the Enterprise. Thank you, son. So, yes, this is the introduction of the character Stan. And uh, what do you think? What do you think's going on with this Stan guy here, David? Do you think maybe he might come back later on and be a thorn in his side? Maybe. I'm trying to remember who this was. <laughs> uh, I think so. Stan. Stan is the dude that uh, Topring wants to hook up with in, in a mock time in the TOS episode. And uh, she decides ah, okay. that she wants to be with Stan over Spock. But she doesn't want to have yeah. Spock fight Stan to the death in case Spock kills Stan. She'll be left alone. So she picks Captain Kirk. So that regardless of who wins, she comes out on top. And this is the introduction um, of that character. Yeah, I don't know. I think they, to me, I, I'm thinking that they're probably not going to bring him back. Um, they might bring him back, but it's probably not going to be a continuation. It's probably going to be like maybe he needs help or something or something. I don't know. And so maybe he gets in trouble with playing on to something. But, yeah, I don't know. I have a feeling with the episode already being made, have been made for TOS, I, that they're probably going to leave that story alone until TOS comes around. I just thought it was interesting that they introduced the character. I thought that was... You know, Stan, here he is. He's working with with Tapring. They're on the, I forgot the name of the colony, the Vulcan prison colony. I, I should remember the name. Yeah, yeah. They're working together on this colony, and that's where she meets him. And that's where their flame ignites, I guess. 
the Vulcan flame. Well, maybe they'll continue. I don't know. Maybe they will bring him back. <laughs> so he's there, and T'Pring's there, and there's also another Vulcan there that I can't wait to talk about. So they're all together on this planet, one big happy Vulcan family, just waiting <laughs> for things to happen. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. So um, I, I got another one that I wanted to talk about, and uh, this one I've, I've entitled Third Date. Steering without mapping realizes no easy task. Henson Shu can relieve you if you need a minute. Actually, I enjoy flying manually. I feel like the ship and I are in a deep conversation. You know, like a third date. So there's a couple of things I wanted to mention about this one. First of all, the music. The music is Star Trek VI. When the Enterprise and the Bird of Prey are facing off before the Excelsior shows up, this is the music that's playing. They're being hunted by General Chang. I thought that was really cool. Uh, Ortega's is piloting the Enterprise manually. And the reason why she's piloting it manually is because there's no mapping relays. And I had to think about that for a second. I'm like, why? That makes sense, kind of, that if there's no Federation mapping relays, the ship won't be able to auto-navigate because there's nothing to help it. So the pilot would have to navigate the ship. It's just the first time I'd ever, it's ever been mentioned on Star Trek before. Did you guys catch that, or am I just being too anal about stuff? They actually uh, never call it, but that does make sense. I I mean, what to me, like the way that these starships navigate is a, through a, a combination of a whole bunch of factors, just like a, a submarine would have done, right? Uh, they've got the maps. They've got the subspace buoys. They've got the relays. They've got sensors. They've got all that kind of stuff. So I, to me, uh, this was pure Trechnobabble, which I'm okay with. I don't have a problem at all with Trechnobabble, because I think they're just trying to show off what a badass Erica is, right? Have you noticed how many asteroid fields they've flown through on this, <laughs> on this series? <laughs> it's like every episode they're flying through asteroids, so you know, they need to keep it there to tell them the odds. Yes. Yeah, to tell them the odds. And I actually, the yeah. thing that her line reminded me of was there's a line, and I do not, I'm not going to be able to come up with the episode, but I absolutely remember Travis Mayweather from Enterprise saying something similar about, like, when he's flying manually, he feels like he's kind of like one with the ship. Like, he can feel the ship, right? And he's the guy from Enterprise who grew up in space. So he's, he like, never lived on a planet, Um and so I think that's just how good Erica is. She just loves flying the ship so much. And I just, every single time they bring her character in, it makes me smile, you guys. She's one of my favorites. Yeah. And well, this is got, the third episode gonna... in a row without Hammer Time. Come on, people. I, I, okay, Hammer, we need more Hammer. There's no question. But Erica's Yeah, good. and including like a, a pretty lengthy, important, pivotal scene in the engine room. Right. right, and like no, it's like no, well, the no. chief engineer was what in a hot tub somewhere? Is it down getting a replicator salad? What's he doing? He's just like, but it's like, <laughs> come on, we had a whole bunch of episodes in a row without him, and he's just like, it's just making us. And we've got like two left. It's like, come on, man, we got to get way more of this actor in here. You know, I agree. Yeah, 
We we need more. We need to see him more. I mean, I have the whole Hammer Time clip and the whole the whole segment for Hammer Time, and then he disappears. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it, man. Chapel's taking all the new. Di- I mean, she's in every scene lately. She is just, you know, definitely uh, they're writing for Chapel big time. You know, which is great because she's terrific. But I just come on, man. Equal time, yeah. Especially let's give our disability actor friends some work, okay? So it's yeah, just, you know, but uh, but yeah, but I think it was just the whole thing we were saying about the navigation stuff, just to reinforce again that they're outside of Federation space, right? It's just like the way you know. He's being uh, Pike's being accused of being fast and loose because they're kind of outside of the normal. They're you know on that part of the map right where beyond here be monsters. It's not charted so well. It's uh, exactly a reminder of where they're at, where they're kind of fast and loose place where things are a little vaguer. So that's it. Yeah. Well, I love. I, I, just, I, I love her. I like line her. In, I like her line in there where it's like, okay, we're approaching the ship. How fa- how close you want to be, Captain? First date, third date, pike your plight. Let's try blind date. Yes, Captain, coming in cautiously. Yep. Yep. That's why I <laughs> picked got- it. That's why I, I picked it. So uh, we have a caller on the line, guys. Woo-hoo. If I can get if I can get this thing to how come it doesn't answer? When I push the button, it doesn't what is wrong here? Live radio, guys, this is what happens. This is what happens. There we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Truck Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? My name is Commander Picard. How are you, gentlemen? Commander, Commander Picard, how you doing? <laughs> this is Joe. How are you guys doing? Joe from hey, Montana. Joe. How you doing, Joe? Yeah. Not bad, not bad. Every time, not every time, but often when I see your shows on, it um, spurs a memory in me. I have a question about there were three godlike races that were in the various Star Trek episodes. One of them was the gatekeeper in Star Trek uh, Voyager, which sent um, Kay McGrew and her, and her crew on their way. Caretaker. There was the yeah. one that um, the guy, I forget, he, he was from soap opera. He always faced Picard. What was the name of that race? Oh, uh, ZQQ, right? Q. The Q. And then there was another one. Um, I'm trying to remember the episode that he appeared in. And he could just, by wishing, just make worlds disappear. Uh, Do you remember what it was? The Who's Knock. The Who's Knock episode. That oh, the what's Dow. the one they wanted to duel, Kirk? Trelane. Uh, Trelane, Trelane. Yeah, I mean, Trelane is the, the kind of like proto-Q, but there's also like the Metrons. Uh, you the, the, Organians? the Organians? The Organians were like very godlike, as we established yeah. in the first season of the original yep, series. The Organians. Yeah. Yep. There's been a few. Organians sounds familiar, but um, I, I didn't watch, you know, all the episodes, but I just... The, um, Somebody mentioned Metronians or something like that. How many godlike species did Star Trek encounter? Oh, oh boy. A lot. A lot. A lot. 
I mean, and it sort of depends on your limit, you know. Uh, what, yeah. What consider, what's like godlike? Um, I the mean, internet says at least ten. <laughs> at least ten. Yeah. No right. right. You've got the Q continuum. You've got the prophets. You've got the organians. You've got the metrons. Um, you've got the Daoud from Next Gen, which I don't remember really that's well. The one. That's the Daoud. Daoud. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not? from uh, the no. Survivors episode. Uh, yeah. Yep. With a colony on Rana 4. They were like the uh-huh. ones where it was a, a colony's attacked and destroyed by the Who's Knock. Right? Then you've yeah. got the Caretaker, um, Trelane, right. uh, Apollo from original series. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Of course, the, energy, the God Apollo entity that Jim's, uh, Jim's a big fan of. And let's not forget our good pal Gary Mitchell, right? If oh, there's yeah. ever a Gary godlike Mitchell. entity, Gary yeah. Mitchell's the man. Or Charlie X, too. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, all all plethora. It's a great topic. We got all kinds of godlike entities on, out there. Depends on how you look well, you at know, the traveler the, as well. Yeah. Travelers. Uh, yeah, the traveler. Look at, at Apollo at the original Star Trek episode. They defeated him because he had to have an energy source, and Spock figured it out. So they destroyed it with their phasers, and then the guy Apollo disappeared. Remember. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like they took away his, his battery or something, right? It was like right. it's very yeah, dependent I mean, on that. It's yeah. like, sorry, Apollo, you were going to make your <laughs> you can't get the can't get supersized anymore, right? It's like we've we've tapped no, into your no, you your secret. Yeah. It's like all the gods, I guess, on, in mythology and Star yeah. Trek, the gods always have an Achilles heel, right? So it's just. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to take up any more of your time since you're about to start your own particular topic. I just wanted to come in and get some clarification on that. I didn't know there were ten. Jesus. They, too bad there weren't the wars of the real gods. It would be a, a real battle between those who could wave their magic wand, as it were. Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, that'll be season five of Discovery, man. I like that idea. We could be. Duking it out for season five. Actually, there was a comic series that got into that a little bit. Yeah, the Q conflict. Yeah. The Q. Oh, yeah? The Q. It was a great six episode how... or six issue uh, comic uh, all really? about four of those different races getting together and having a contest, and they actually pull captains from all the different shows uh, onto their various Ooh. teams, and so it's like Q's team versus uh, the Metron's team, you know. It's, it oh, was fascinating. That's a great idea. I have to check that one out. What a great idea, though. What a fun topic. Who were the Yarnak? Remember the rock people from Savage Curtain? Oh, God. <laughs> I got I to gotta confess, like, a preposterous fondness for that episode. I shouldn't. I shouldn't, but I can't. It's like if it's on, I'm going to watch it. I find it wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> you find my one. body temperature disturbing, Captain? <laughs> <laughs> Great well, stuff. Good one. I'll see you. I'll see you some other time in the future. Take care now. All, All right. right. Thanks, yeah, thanks for thanks calling for call, in. Great caller, man. It's great to hear from Joe. Yeah, I like. All his right, guys. I saved the best for last and oh, here we go. Uh, we're all going <laughs> to dive in i know where we're going now <laughs> all right and and if, if you guys have ever ever listened to this podcast or if you've ever followed us on facebook and read any of the posts you know what is my favorite star trek movie eric 
Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Okay, I love, love, love that movie. Okay, I do. I'm sorry if people hate it. I love it, and I have my reasons. When I was watching last week's episode, and I was sitting on my couch, and this big reveal came, I jumped off my couch. Just, I got to call Eric. Uh, my wife's like, what's wrong? And I said, Cyborg. It's Cyborg. And my wife's like, it'll be okay. Sit down. I was like, oh, my God. We've been talking about this since Discovery. And, yeah, Jim uh, appeared so, on the Vermont weather map that night, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> wow. So um, I, I was debating whether to start with this or end with this. So the episode ended with it. So we're going to end with it. And here, here it is, the big reveal, Cybok. I came here to thank you and to applaud your performance on the bridge. Yeah, well, flying isn't your strong suit, so I just did what I could. We don't have to talk about it. I thought because you are human, you might need to discuss your feelings. Spock. Like I said earlier, I like Vulcans. I know where I stand with you. You're an honest man. You're not the guy who would chase after another woman while you have a girlfriend. So, I know, for certain, there's no feelings between us. I'm glad to hear that. You know me well. You're a good friend, Mr. Spock. As a younger chaplain. Spock, one last thing. You said that on the bridge, you suddenly realized the identity of the prisoners that Angel was trying to free. Yes. Things they say were specific to one Vulcan in particular. Who? Ambassador Sarek had a child out of wedlock. He, although full Vulcan, has rejected the teachings of logic. He's one of the Batashkatera? Yes. Isn't Ambassador Sarek your father as well? Yes. I believe Zavarius to be an assumed name. I believe the Vulcan angels attempting to free is someone I was told to avoid at all costs. My half-brother, Cyborg. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There it is. There it is. It happened. He's here, Eric. Eric, he's here. My gosh, Jim. Uh, It has been so long since Discovery... Episode one, season one, what do we say? We said, where is Cybok? We got this new sister. Where is Cybok? I think what we have learned, we got a little tiny, tiny piece of information here that explains a lot. Somebody, Spock was told to avoid at all costs. So I think we got an older Cybok was there uh, early on, probably not in the same house as Amanda at all. Uh, and oh my gosh, I, it blew my mind as well. I could not actually believe that they did it. Uh, I can't believe that they went there. Uh, so we have got a, not only probably a really excellent kind of uh, villain coming, but we've got um, development of a character that you guys, we have known almost nothing about, right? We, he's got some kind of special power, allows him to take people's pain. How does he do it? We don't know. Somehow he twists the like Vulcan telepathy abilities and is able to do it. Um, I just, I, I'm kind of like, I'm still flabbergasted at the fact that they actually brought him into this. 
and we are going to see so much more of him. I'm super, super, super excited. Uh, but, I mean, what, what else do we need to know? We need to know who the Vulcan princess was. We don't know who his mom was. Um, you know, absolutely they would want to keep Spock from this guy because Spock is half human. And so don't you think that he could very easily be manipulated by somebody like Spy, uh, Cybok? Um, just but so what's the million-dollar question, man? Uh, I don't know. What do you, what, what's your million dollar question? Who are they gonna cast? That's my question, man. I, I want to know who they, will they go with an unknown? Will they go with a name? Who are they gonna go? I mean, I, I'm fascinated to find out who they cast. Well, guys, I'm gonna violate my NDA right now and tell you that they reached out to me and they asked me if I would be willing to play the <laughs> character, and I said, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, "You give me the donuts, and I'm there." <laughs> no, but me too. If if you guys and and I, I've said this many times. If you read the book for Star Trek Five: The Final Frontier, they um, J.M. Dillard dives a lot into the background of the character of Cybok, and I don't know how much of what was in the book will actually end up on Strange New Worlds, but in the book, um, Sarek has this um, illicit affair with this high Vulcan priestess, and uh, she gets pregnant, and these Vulcan priests, priestesses, these female Vulcan priests, are not allowed to have children. And so when she gets pregnant, she doesn't tell anybody that she has Cybok. So nobody knows, not even Sarek. Upon her death, when they find out, they take the child away and give the child to Sarek, who then raises the child you know, as his own. And, and I don't know where that fits. In, is this before Michael Burnham? Is it after Michael Burnham? Where, when uh, does Amanda know? I, I don't know. It's not in the book. But anyways, and, and he learns how to control people through a ancient Vulcan ritual of mind melding without touching it's it's they use it to talk to the katras and his mother was the keeper of the katras when there's all these globes with vulcan katras in them and i think we saw this a little bit on enterprise didn't we eric the katras it was uh, we, we, the lag lights or something yeah. there well there yeah it was in the story where they go back in time and they tell the old um the the story of um I, I can't think of the name. The guy who invented Vulcan logic, uh, not Sarek, but Sarek. 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 Yeah. Yeah, it's in those episodes. And so, cool. uh, so uh, is able to to use his his mental ability to talk to the Katras of all these dead great Vulcan masters and share their knowledge with people that come to the shrine seeking information. And he, he uses that to violate people like he did with, with McCoy and all the people that he comes in when he says, share your pain with me. And that's explained in the book. And I, and I don't know how much of that is going to make it into Strange New Worlds. But the entity that contacts Cybok also tells him how to get through the Great Barrier and how to redo the shields in order to get through the barrier. So I hope that a lot of that comes. I'm just I'm really excited about it. I'm I'm psyched to find out more about yeah. Cybok. I really, really am. I I have a big feeling Cybok is not going to be mentioned much 
Because remember, we still have Kirk coming in in season two. And when the movie came out, Kirk had no idea Spock had a half-brother. So if Kirk comes in, I have a feeling Cybok's probably going to be maybe at the end of season one or maybe, who knows? I mean, I don't think Cybok is going to be that big of an appearance for this series. Maybe, I don't know. Well, I read an interview in Inverse Magazine, uh, and, and Alex Kurtzman said, we will be seeing Captain Angel and Cybok again. So when, it might be like for a finale or something. How much? I don't know. But uh, yeah. we will see. And I also find it interesting that in Pring's log, she mentions that these people uh, were murderers. And that's exactly what Cybok did in the book. And that's why he was there, because he used his ability to murder so I'm really psyched about it. I'm, I'm so glad because I love Star Trek V and to, to see the character of Cybok get some, some much-needed love, I'm, I'm really psyched about. And uh, we have a caller on the line, guys. Let's see, let's, see, uh, let's see who we got and if I can get this switchboard to work. There we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Nate from Vegas. It's Nate from Vegas, baby. How you doing, Nate? Uh, I'm doing all right. Enjoying the air conditioning when it's uh, 99 degrees outside right now. Wow. It's it's supposed to be 91 up here this weekend when I'm at camp. So that's that's pretty hot for this part of the country. So, uh, Nate, let's, let's, let's dive right in. Let's get started with you on a scale of 1 to 10. What would you give the episode, Serene Squad? Um, well, I uh, appreciate the fact that uh, we, again, you guys already talked about it, that we have been waiting four years to find out what the heck uh, was going on with Cybok, where, where he was. Uh, so I did appreciate that. Uh, it was another great episode for me. Uh, it still didn't top the first episode, though, for me, so I give it a seven. Uh, I do also want to state, though, that um, on a negative side about Cybox's appearance is then now Nurse Chapel knows too much. Was did so Nurse Chapel knows because because in the future yeah, Nurse Chapel she knows not the secret. To know who Cybox is? So, yeah, because I mean it was a big surprise. Uh, in the episode, nobody knew he had uh, Spock had kept it hidden. In so, but now she knows the secret way before anybody else would have known should have known the secret. So that's my only neg- real negative for the episode. But seven, seven overall. So, uh, how about you, David? One to ten. Oh. I'm gonna to have to actually give this one a ten. I I enjoyed it from beginning to end, although that whole cooking scene with the Orion, I thought that was a little strange. But other than that, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So I'm gonna give it a ten. You know what's funny, guys? I'm sitting on my couch watching this episode and going crazy because there's Cybok, and my phone dings. And now, uh, in case you didn't know. David's in a different time zone than I am. But for some odd reason, we were both watching this, this strange new world at the same time. 
Um, because I usually watch it when I when I get home from work before the podcast. So, anyways, my phone dings and it's a message from David and it says this is probably your favorite episode. And I was like, damn straight it is. And David and I were talking all about Cybok way before uh, last week's podcast, which I thought was great. So that was pretty cool. All right. How about you? What, what do you think, Charles? One to ten. Well, let me throw the opinion is, yes, Nurse Chapel knows, but she's the only one right now that knows. Nobody else. And the core knows, and Chapel uh, probably lead doctor somewhere else by the time we get into Star Trek V that she hasn't by then retired. So I think the secret's actually well kept. I think I'm going to go with this one around where I've been doing a lot of my episodes in 8.9. Very respectable. Very, very respectable. And how about you, Paul? One to ten. Well, you know, uh, I try to focus on the positive whenever I can and not get too negative. Uh, but I will say, uh, candidly, uh, that this was my least favorite episode of Strange New Worlds. Um, that said, I would, I would give it a six. There were a lot of good themes and a lot of things that were really excellent they were trying to do here. Um, I, I was... I'm, super all in to find out what this actor does with this character of Captain Angel. But for me, uh, it's just the whole thing with the idea of space pirates. It's just so daffy. I mean, it really is. It's almost like infantile. I mean, it's just enough. I mean, if somebody would have pitched me the idea of space pirates, I would have said, thanks, but no, I mean, go, I don't want to see another, you know, preposterous, especially with the, the makeup of these people, the dude who's like her helmsman or their helmsman rather with the weird eye makeup and the dreadlocks, like he's auditioning for a ripoff of Blade Runner or a Mad Max movie from 30 years ago. It's just really embarrassing. And the, the guy who's the, the captain, the Orion captain, I mean, the, the way they had these people dressed, it was just clown like, all right, so I just it was just not what I'm looking for from this show, and I just at the end of the day, Pike's way too smart to let his ship get taken over this quickly and to fall for a ham-fisted ruse like that and to turn it over to these clowns. Not a chance. I just didn't buy it for a second. So for me, it was a really daffy, kind of slightly embarrassing episode. Sorry, I'm. There's a lot of stuff I liked about it that I hope is good. I really hope they explore. Angel and Cybok as intriguing, intelligent characters with good stories to back them up. But I hope it doesn't involve piracy because it's just like so kind of not good. All right. Eric, how about you? One to ten. Uh, I'm a little closer to the Paul side of things. Uh, if When I hear pirates, I want more <sighs> swashbuckling and humor. So uh, I, I didn't get quite enough swashbuckling and humor. I thought there were some amazing scenes. Uh, I really want to talk deeply with Paul about the, the Dr. Aspen scene, because uh, I think there's a lot to explore there. And, of course, the reveal at the end was a 10.5. But overall, I can't really rate the episode more than about a 7 myself. So I, I think that I, I really like the Dr. Aspen character. Before we found out um, who that, – well, that actually – a real Dr. Aspen because Captain Angel says that they left them stranded on a planet. So 
there is a real Dr. Aspen somewhere. Whether we'll see the real Dr. Aspen, who knows? But I did like the Dr. Aspen character to begin with. I thought that uh, I thought that they were a great counselor, and I really enjoyed the interaction that Aspen had with Spock, and finding out that that Aspen is the wife, the consort, the lover, um, whatever of Cybok, really changes the context of the way I look at those scenes after the first viewing. I really like that character. I I did feel that the Enterprise was taken over extremely quick and extremely easy. And I was like, particularly, how many people can fit in a turbo lift, for God's sakes? <laughs> um, I mean, they were running around. They were like coming out of the turbo lift like, like eight or nine of them. I'm like, well, what? Uh you would think that a crew, how many people? 408 are the crew of the Enterprise? 412? Uh, yeah. Wait, yeah. It's, if, it's in the 400s if you're talking about kind of post TOS, yeah. Uh, I think in Pike's era, it was only like 203. Right. That's the thing. 203. It's supposed, I'm a, like, it's supposed to be a smaller ship, but like uh, they render the ship as the large size. So who the hell knows how many crew were actually on it in this show? Yeah, I was like, they took over the ship pretty easy, and we never saw the crew. All we see is Pike and the main crew in this one cage. Where is everybody else? We never see the rest of them. Even when the pirates were taking the crew away, we see Una and Ortegas. But, but where's all the rest of the – where's Hammer? Where's everyone yeah. else? And, you know, I, I thought the, the lower ship deck was – on vacation. Yeah, they were on vacation. I did think the ship was taken over extremely easy, very easy, too easy. And the whole thing with Pike – Causing a mutiny over food um, was, you know. Well, little, I think that's totally yeah, legitimate because, like, when you're uh, in the expanse to know that, like, when you're out in space, food's the one thing that matters the most. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was kind of like, um, yeah, all right, okay, whatever, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but, but that aside, uh, that that aside, I loved the entire. I loved the episode. I thought Chapel was great. I thought the big. Uh, Big turnaround when when uh, Aspen turns into Angel and the big reveal comes around that who who they really are. I really liked that and how Spock was so trusting and unlocked the ship and gave her total control, gave them total control. Well, no, at that time it was her. At that time she was Dr. Aspen and then afterwards turns into to they and Captain Angel. Um, so So there... But um, overall, I loved the episode, especially the end when Mike does his, his pirate thing. Arr, matey. I thought that was... <laughs> Dude, I wanted to switch <laughs> off. That was painful. That was the worst moment of season one. It was just like I wanted to scream. Uh, I, I thought that was, was like, funny. Embarrassing, <laughs> man. Embarrassing. But uh, overall, I... And the cyborg thing. I just can't say enough about the cyborg thing. I was just like, just floored. And when they showed him, they showed him from the back, and Stan and Tukang are walking towards him. He kind of turns his head sideways. You can see the profile, and you know, it's the Lawrence Lucking built lookalike type of cyborg. I loved it. I got to go with a ten on this one. Like you guys didn't think that, anyways. You know. Um, Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. It did I have some problems. Go with the I just had a feeling. <laughs> but there wasn't, there, there, there was, 
there was so much more that I loved about it than that I didn't. So there you have it. So I, I want to say, <coughs> I want to say thank you to Joe from Montana for giving us a call tonight. We love to hear from Joe. And of course, thank you so much to Nate from Vegas for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you so much, Nate. Yeah, not a problem. I'm trying to figure out our personal uh, average right now for our rating. Oh yeah, I probably I should probably do that, but and Jim of course, want to say thank you. You know, yeah, thank you so much to David, even though he ate all the donuts. Thank you, David. You're welcome. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> maybe one of these days I'll make it to Portland and have a donut in person. And thank you so much yeah. to our very own Paul, the wine guy, for hanging out and trek talking with us. Thank you, Paul. My pleasure, man. I try to keep it positive, but I got to be honest, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, so do I. I. I gave it a 10. I loved it. But there's been many times when Eric and Charles have given an episode a 10, and I've just said, I can't score this one. So uh, it happens. And That's also, cool, thank you so much to uh, Charles for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you very much. I always enjoy talk, talking Trek and all the fun we're having with Strange New World right now. Yeah, only two more episodes. And, of course, thank you so much to our very own Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you, Eric. You bet, guys. I had a great time as always. And next next week might be that episode where we disagree, Paul, because uh, I already watched it. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens next week. And, oh, the one that uh, aired today. The one that aired today. Yeah, the one, the one that aired it today. It sounded like you it, didn't like it. with me, too, then, huh? Yeah. We'll I see, haven't we'll watched it yet, man. I have no – all I'm going is I, I watched the trailer, and I, 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 I had kind of a facial expression. <laughs> so I well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see next Intriguing. week. No spoilers. We'll see. Uh, I want to let you guys know that on Monday on our, our Truck Talking 2 we have an interesting topic that we're going to talk about, which ties right into tonight's episode. We're going to talk about gender in Star Trek, which is a great topic. Uh, we, we have some uh, uh, interesting comments on our Facebook page. I'll leave it at that. And we are going to delve right into that. We're going to talk. There's been a lot of episodes of TNG and, of course, this one. And we're going to talk about that on Monday. Same bat time, same bat channel, 730 right here on Monday night. So, Check that out. Next week on Thursday night, we're going to talk. I forgot. I didn't. I didn't look up the title. I forgot the title. The Elysian uh, but, Kingdom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one. We're going to talk about that episode next Thursday. So you definitely want to check that out. Head over to our Facebook page. Make sure you tell us where you're listening from, so that you can be mentioned in a future fan shout out. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying Star Trek fans are the best fans, and please. Stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Nail. Live long and prosper. Be well. Let's see what's out there. Engage.
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.